Goodison. Bjørnesen, oh, what a chance. What a chance. Aguero, 1-0. Argentina off and running. And Icelandic heads are in Icelandic hands. Here's Goodison, one last charge of Iceland. And Iceland are in. This is Gilfi Sigurdsson. Bjørnesen, Finn 1-1. Hey, welcome to the Iceland Football Podcast. We're joined by Gunnar as always. Gunnar, are you feeling good after these last games? Um, not particularly. These were pretty, uh, pretty bad defeats. Um, you didn't like the nine-zero drubbing we got it, against two good teams. It wasn't the most enjoyable game I've seen at the Lady as well. Uh, I can tell you. No, that. I kind of liked it, but we'll we'll get into all that later. Uh, just some uh, what we can expect here today. We're gonna hear from Eden Hazard about uh, how he likes Iceland, and then we have some great interviews with Roberto Martinez and Thibaut Courtois exclusives. So that'll be fun. But we'll get into that later. I think we should start off though with the first game that was now uh, on Saturday. So the Nations League obviously started up. Formatting wise, the competition seems like a success i think we're we're happy with the competition maybe not happy with us being in the hardest uh level and in a difficult group with with switzerland and belgium and uh a new head coach and we're getting trounced not the best start for eric hamron in uh in switzerland 6-0 iceland's biggest loss in 17 years one of iceland's largest eight losses in their history yeah you know i'd like to liken us to the greek mythology uh, character icarus who has flown too close to the sun, and now we're we're falling into the ocean, because you know we've been doing so well for the past few years, and we we've flown up really high, and, and now we're yeah. now we're now we're plummeting back down to earth. You know, it, it does feel that way a little bit, and and you know you want start to wonder is the dream over? As you're saying, are the next ten years not going to be as fruitful as the last ten? Um, I think it's a bit too early to say, and I will say that. I think the team reacted well after the Switzerland destruction in the Belgium game. They clearly showed that they had the passion and the fight to fight for the for the country or for the pride or for their head coach. What they were fighting for, I'm not sure. But I wouldn't say that the atmosphere uh, in the group is particularly positive at the moment. So before we start talking about the bigger picture, are Iceland uh, dead as a world force? Well, I always say we're a top 20 team. That's not even true anymore. I think we're like a top 40 team now, and I'm going by the FIFA rankings. But yeah, did we fly too close to the sun is the question. But but let's first get into the Switzerland game a little bit. So we were crazy open, didn't really show much going forward. Very poor performances by pretty much the whole defense. Um, Svetadinki really getting caught out. And in these two games, I'm not I'm not sure we have a better option than him necessarily. But um, it's a bit worrying that he's he's not of that international quality that we need that we had before. But yeah, they go two up before halftime, uh, completely in control. They were so much in control, I was watching the game, I actually decided to put a bet on it. Uh, because I saw a commercial and I was watching it on Sky and they were like, Shakiri to score next, 8-1. Uh, to one. And I'm like, that sounds about right. I think that's going to happen. And that did happen. I won uh, 40 bucks for what it's worth. I would gladly not have won that to, to have seen a little better performance. And then after Shakiri scored, uh, it was just a slaughter. They had so many chances they were so open in the midfield that usual compact four and four the uh, the the defense four and the midfield four they were just all over the place. I mean, 
The mistake was starting a 4-4-2. Now, I like the 4-4-2, but in this situation, it didn't work. With the injuries we had, we didn't have Alfred, our main striker. We didn't have Aronen, our, our captain, leader, legend. We didn't have Johan Berg, obviously. And then we didn't have Emil in that game. So our midfield was very depleted. He had uh, Viktor Paulsson and he being Eric Hammerin uh, lined up Viktor Paulsson, which is, you know, okay, uh, with Gilvi in the middle, them two in the middle. Then he had Birkir on the left. Uh, you know, that's just, we were way too open. They couldn't handle the Swiss attack in that central area. And he uh, he clearly knew that he made a mistake because he changed it to a five-man midfield against Belgium. We were more we had more of the ball and more in the game but yeah big mistake 6-0 in your first game if you're a head coach and you lose 6-0 in your he- in your first game do you have any chance of being a good manager or turning this around you know we're you we're a unique circumstance iceland okay this isn't this isn't an easy job and and it's it's going to take getting used to and it's going to it's going to take a while for him to get, you know find his feet and it was a difficult you know debut for him not having so many of our key players yeah so i'm not too worried about that but <clears throat> it know. is a difficult job because iceland have been overachieving for 10 years with this fantastic uh, with Heimir and lars and the whole atmosphere and everyone happy so they've been overachieving and now they have a manager who is coming out of nowhere doesn't know the players you know they're not great friends like Heimir was friendly with everyone in iceland and in the federation and you know people know each other it's a small country people meet at stuff now eric cameron comes in and you know he's looking at everything from you know outside of the box and he doesn't know the players and they aren't necessarily friends to begin with so it's that much more difficult for him to produce that overachieving kind of play style uh and get those overachieving results that iceland had been getting so that's the swiss game six zero any last thoughts gonna we really saw how dependent we are on a few players, especially our midfield, and that we're not necessarily in a position right now where we can replace them. And there's there's no one really on the horizon, you know. And these guys, yeah. Emil is what thirty. He's thirty five, I think. Yeah. You know, Emil is a, a great. Well, no, he he's maybe not even thirty five. Maybe thirty three or thirty four. But he's a great warrior for us, and he was our best player at the World Cup. So I'm I'm happy for him. But you, you make a good point because what we've often said is our squad depth is not what it should be, or what it should be. We don't you know get anything free in this sport, but it's not equivalent to the starting eleven. So when you have four missing players, and when you have players getting older, especially in the defense. Um, I think we're going to see some uh, some leaky teams, and that uh, that we definitely saw that in these last two games in the Nations League. We were out of our depth, and we definitely don't deserve to be in this group or this level, and we're going to get relegated. So maybe it's for the best. Yeah, you know, it's not necessarily a terrible thing. You know, it's fun to see Belgium at home and see all those great players, but oh, yeah. it would also be nice to have some... To win a game? Yeah, a bit weaker teams that we can actually defeat. So Iceland haven't won a game in a year the that's why we have gone way down on the fifa rankings we were i think yeah we were top 20 now we're top 40 uh we haven't won a game in a year since we qualified for the world cup obviously international football they don't play as many games but that's still like 10 games so that's kind of fucked up but yeah just wrapping up the the switzerland game pathetic performance and result 6-0 is unacceptable for a team that we're we're trying to be and you saw the atmosphere when they got back to Iceland in the game um, in Iceland. I don't think Eric Cameron has the support of the fans. He needs to win us over. He needs to at least score a fucking goal. Okay, 9-0 in two games is ridiculous. We're used to a compact midfield and defense, and we're not used to conceding six goals. As I said, it's been 17 years since that happened. 
I mean, yeah. So, uh, but but let's not think about that huge 6-0 loss. Let's think about a smaller 3-0 loss. That'll make us more happy. But it, it really does, because the performance against Belgium was better. And uh, no one expected really to win or get anything from that game. But, you know, the players showed fight. They started the 15 minutes really well. And definitely an improved performance than against uh, Switzerland. Now, we were able to catch up with Eden Hazard just for a quick second, get a get a quick word about how he was enjoying Iceland. Uh, let's hear from him. Your first time in Iceland? Yes, I think so. And you like it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so I asked him if it was his first time in Iceland. He said, I think so. I don't know if he was being sarcastic. It kind of looked like he was being sarcastic. But uh, then I asked him if it was too cold for him in Iceland. No, it's okay, my friend. It's like in England. <laughs> England in the winter is the same. It's even, it's even worse. Breaking news, Hazard thinks that the winter in England is worse than in Iceland. Well, I think it's clear he's actually never been here, uh, whether he's sure of it or not. <laughs> yeah, first of all, that wasn't really winter, what we saw yesterday. It was cold outside, that's why I asked him. And, and it's true, he is obviously, how long has he been at Chelsea? Uh, I think he came, uh, he came after we won the Champions League. So Oh, he came after, right after? Yeah. Yeah, I remember. He came from Lidl yeah. also excited because he could have gone to manchester uh but no you guys pay better at that time but yeah so he uh he thinks iceland's not you know not bad maybe we'll see him in the pepsi delt which is the icelandic (laughs) premier league uh, in the future because he can apparently handle this weather no problem or maybe he's maybe he's off to spain because he says the weather in england is worse than iceland i can see the sun writing a a headline like that Uh, (laughs) (laughs) hazard (laughs) Hazard hates England. Hates England's weather. Even Iceland has better weather. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that was nice to, to see him a little bit. Um, obviously, we were hanging out with all the Belgian players after the game. But before we hear more from the Belgian players, maybe we should get into the review of the game. So we show up there. Uh, we changed our lineup. We went with a 4-5-1. We had Runar Maur Sigurd. Uh, Sigurd Jonsson come into the midfield. And we had Jontadi alone up front. Now, Jontadi is he plays for Reading. He scores goals, he's good in the air. When I say he scores goals, I mean he scores some goals. He has that ability, unlike someone like Björn Bergman, but he scores like not a lot of goals. He's not a big fox in the box. So he was alone up front, um, and he worked really hard, and nothing wrong with it, but him alone up front, you're not going to really create a goal. You know, it's 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 going to be difficult. He might get one chance, and he did, sort of Gilvi. But the first 15 minutes, we started really positive they were clearly pumped up they came out of the gates we had some some chances some light chances and also watching the iceland players in the warm-up when they were taking their shots and stuff they looked focused they were you know they had good shots and they were like i thought that something could happen they they definitely seemed motivated they wanted to make up for what happened three days earlier and and they started doing that in the first 15 minutes and then after 15 minutes belgium kind of looked more comfortable had more of the ball and scored two goals a hazard penalty now i haven't seen any of the replays we, we were just at the game but it did look like he had his hand uh the iceland player had his hands all over lukaku i think it was sweated um, i haven't seen the replay as i said so it was a penalty and every time freaking hazard takes a penalty i'm always like okay goalkeeper don't dive early just wait he's just gonna slot it into that right corner real and he's not even gonna go into the corner he's just gonna it's gonna be in the middle of the goal but every goalkeeper not nah, I'm not a professional athlete. I don't know how hard it is to like have the nerves and how, how long you're supposed to stand there and stuff. But I'm like, just wait. He's going to just tap it in. But no one ever saves his penalties. Why, what is it with these penalties? 
it's just I don't know. It's just his his confidence, and 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 he has a way of moving that sort of uh, tricks the goalkeeper or something. Gets me. He, he definitely has a swagger on the yeah. field, but yeah. But I feel like he always goes on that right side. But but yeah. So we didn't save that. Uh, Hannes was not able to repeat his uh, his heroics uh, like he did at the World Cup against Messi. Um, apparently, he only he only saves penalties from global superstars. <laughs> Sorry, not Hazard. He's never won a golden ball or anything. No, but I'm kidding. I think he's honestly probably the best player in the world. Him and yeah, he's well. No, Messi is the best player in the world. But I mean, he's definitely. I'd say he's the third best player in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's top three. I I don't think you can necessarily say that Neymar is better than Hazard. I think it's just because Neymar scores more goals. But he's all you know. The Spanish and the French league is is easier than the. True. I mean, when Hazard goes to Real Madrid, I mean he's gonna tear it up. When do you think that'll be, Goon? Hopefully never. <laughs> Goon is very angry now. <laughs> His blood is boiling. But no, so uh, they got 1-0. And then, you know, heads didn't drop too much. But they were like, oh, come on. We conceded a penalty. That's a cheap goal. But the second goal, which was like a minute later, two minutes later, was even cheaper. Lukaku, uh, big Rom, he got kind of a poacher's finish, kind of tapped it in with his head. Ball rebounded to him after company had a really good, strong head run goal that Hannes saved. You know. Cheap. It, it was kind of a cheap goal, and after that, I don't think anyone expected anything to happen. And the players kind of got deflated, but we didn't concede another one until the second half, if, if we take positive. So it was 2-0 at halftime, and definitely an improved performance on what we saw in Switzerland. So uh, people weren't booing or anything. Second half, we again started strong, and I thought that something maybe could happen. And then they uh, they got that goal, which was... Kind of, I've never seen Kilva make a mistake like that. Yeah, you know, it happened actually right in front of me where I was yeah. sitting, and and uh, he was. It wasn't you know, that big of a mistake it, by Kilva, no. but I think Kilva. First of all, Kilva looked frustrated. He didn't come to his birthday was on Saturday when they lost six zero. So three days later, he's playing against Belgium, and I, I, what I see with him a little bit, especially because Arnena wasn't in the team, and Johan Berg or the other, and Alfred, these are the other stars of the team. He was pretty much the the uh, the main star. I mean, there aren't really any other star. I mean, there's kind of big players, but but no one up into that, you know, top league players. So I I saw a little bit of the kind of the the thing you saw with Ayrgo Johnson, Edesmare, when he was playing with the national team. Frustration because he's more quality, and the people around him aren't as much quality, and they get the ball and they lose it or they can't do the quality things that he's doing, and you kind of saw that kind of that feeling from from Gilvi and. And maybe he thought that he had to do too much. And that's kind of what happened with third goal. He was kind of, he could have just passed it away or kicked it away, but he kind of went backwards and did kind of thing and ended up passing it backwards. But the Belgian player intercepted, or, or how no, was it? He, he was trying to, you know, just turn around, take the ball behind him. The uh, Belgian player nicked the ball off him, sent it, got it to another, but they went down the right wing, cor- uh, sent it into the box, and, and they scored. And Lukaku with that poacher's finish. Now, this is what I was going to yeah talk to him about, but we can get into that later. But I do like that poacher's finish. And, and he, he only had like two or three chances in the game, and he, he took them. And I like that he kind of did the outside of the foot with the left foot. He just he knew where the corner was. That was a, that was a I, I like that kind of finish. I didn't like that he scored and kind of ended the game 3-0. But, you know, it's Belgium. What are you going to do? Um, and then the game kind of just uh, faded out. and uh, Well, I think, you know... In the middle of the second half, they were dominant again. That you know, we couldn't get out of the out of our half. They completely yeah. they had some long spells. Us, but and, and the only thing we could really do is is kick the ball 
as high as we could. But you know, the, I mean, even the striker wasn't there. He was back defending as well. Exactly. We, we had ten uh, outfield players in defense, and we kept booting it forward. But there was no target man up yeah. front to wait for it. But so even I'd say the last um, ten fifteen minutes, we definitely were better. You know, the, the crowd definitely felt the electricity. You know. Yeah, and we we actually had some chances, and I thought you know we might actually get one or two goals here. Well, what we wanted, I think, the crowd—not that I had discussed it with anyone—but there was a feeling that we wanted a goal. Yeah, we have a new head coach. We need a goal. We need one goal to go in, so we can have a little bit of positivity. So it's nine-one, not nine-zero. Mm-hmm. Especially because it's not—it was on nine-eleven, so it would have been symbolic. Nine-what? No, we weren't thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the game was on nine-eleven, and I think yeah. this is the biggest tragedy this world has seen on nine-eleven. And I stand by that. Um, <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> no, I think they know I'm joking. But one positive, so a few positives from the game, other than all the, the negatives. I mean, the the positive happened in the 60th minute when Kolpet Sigtorsson, our striker, our number nine, came off the bench and made his return to Icelandic football, to any football. He hadn't played a competitive game in over two years. It was great to see him back, especially when we don't really have any strikers. And uh, hopefully he'll be able to be in our next games and uh, we can see something from him. Because he's a real striker. He's yeah. he's big. He wins headers. Yeah, exactly. He, he was, can finish. You know, when we were booting the ball up, we were actually able to, you know. Yeah, he won the headers. Ball. I mean, no yeah. one was with him when he won the headers, so yeah. he lost it. But yeah. he won I, the headers. I, I saw one thing, actually. Um, the ball was booted up to Colpit and he and he jumps up, headed it. And then he and he pushes it behind him. Yeah. yeah and then... And Gilvi then runs after it, but he was a bit slow. He's like, "Oh yeah, that's what we used to do." Yeah, get, hadn't we hadn't done it in two years? I mean, it's the most obvious thing. There's a high ball, and someone yeah. flicks it on. Someone yeah. has to make the run, and it's so annoying as a striker or whatever when you flick it on and no one is making yeah. a run behind you because yeah. it would have been perfect. Yeah, but no, he, you know, he hadn't done that for so long that he, did, yeah. he wasn't expecting it then. But but you're right, Gilvi did make that run for him, and Gilvi was working hard, and he was the captain, and it, it's not that he wasn't giving his all, but he was frustrated, mm-hmm. and he was definitely frustrated. He didn't do any interviews after the game, even though he was asked to, which I've never seen happen. He was frustrated. So he he's probably annoyed at, probably that there's a new coach. I mean, he he, he doesn't like where things are going. But we need him to be 100% because he's our most important player other than Aron Inar. Hopefully, though, I mean, we can feel a little bad for Eric Cameron because he doesn't have his strongest squad. Four starters were not in the team. Even though Emil came back for that Belgium game, thank God. He also moved Birke Bjatna into the center of midfield, which is his position, even though he's always played on the left for Iceland. I think that's smart. I would want to have him there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Birke had a, you know good game as he always he's always solid for the national team Birkir, uh that's the guy with the flowing blonde locks the viking the viking but uh you know talking about eric cameron and Gilbert being upset you know i mean you know playing against belgium with a new coach I mean, belgium is the probably the best team in the world right now and this might be the most difficult game we played in a really really long time you know so yeah. this well no we played argentina at the world cup well argentina were not as difficult as, as belgium Belgium is is better than Argentina. I think. Uh, yes, of course, of yes. course. But so, um, they don't they don't have the same obvious weaknesses. The thing is not if it was a difficult. I mean, no one expected to win this game. We wanted to see a performance. But what I will say is, over the last ten years, when big teams have come to Iceland, whether it be, you know, ten years ago Germany, then we had Italy, then we had Spain. We we didn't lose any of those three games. And then we've had Croatia, and we've beaten them at home. Then we've had, you know, Turkey, we destroy them at home. Netherlands, we beat them home and away. We can play against these big teams. That's the whole point of us, you know, that we especially raise our game against these big teams and that our the way we play with the, with the solid blocks of eight, we frustrate these big position teams. 
the thing is, either now big teams or, or teams uh, know more about Iceland and know how to play against them. That could very well be the reason. I'm, I'm sure they prepare for these games for a long time. It is also a competitive match. Maybe they're more... Well, all those more. matches I was talking about were competitive matches. But, well, except I think Italy like 15 years ago. But that that was kind of a bread and butter, playing, raising our game against big teams. And what the problem was always is we would kind of not perform maybe against the smaller teams. That's kind of a, a concentration issue we've had. Now it seems we're at least not getting the results against the big teams. And we're we're looking really exposed. And that's a worry. That's a worry for sure. And Eric Hammer, who has been known as a defensive coach uh, in his past, uh, you would expect a little better from him. But then again, obviously he's brand new. He has, I mean, you know, he'll get some matches. He'll get this Nations League. Will he be out of the job in six months? I don't think Quinnipiac has the balls for that. Really, not that. Well, I mean, he has. He's a very hard man. Uh, you know, the defender from Bolton, uh, captain, Premier League legend. But. Whether he's going to fire him after six months, because it's not about firing him, it's about admitting that you made a mistake in hiring him. And now if you look at what Sweden fans are saying, they're just laughing their ass off that we hired this guy. A lot of them are. Some of them are saying it's okay, but a lot of them are like, this guy is not a good coach. But yeah, just the last thoughts of the game, the ref, I thought he had a poor game. I thought a lot of calls went against Iceland. Obviously, you always have that little bias in you that you feel that way, but I, I at least saw four calls that were definitely against Iceland um also it was good to see Gilvi in the 10 he was he was in the 10 he was going a lot forward he was an attacking number 10 that's probably where we need to see him play so I think the formation we had against Belgium was not a problem I think when we get our main players back that that formation could be good it, it was kind of a 4-4-1-1 um and Gilvi works so hard that it, it kind of makes that midfield tick so when we have Aron in there playing that defensive sweeper role not sweeper but a cleanup role I think it would definitely uh, go well. Well, I was also interested in how fluid, and I asked Roberto Martinez about him, but we can maybe hear his thoughts in a little bit, but Belgium is so fluid. Hazard was on the right. He was on the left in the first half, and then he was in the 10, and then he was on the right, you know, all in the first half. And then in the second half, he was just on the right the whole time, and I noticed this because he was closer to me. So I was like, oh, Hazard is here now. And then he went on the left, and he goes wherever he wants. Yeah, he does his attempts to do. He just he, yeah. he does what he wants, and uh, and he kind of just walks around. I mean, it's it's fun to watch him though. If he had more speed, he could be real. But he's also he's very fast though. He is fast with the ball. He's fast dribbler. He's not a fast player in general. I, I you know I don't know. But I think maybe not that he's not obviously ridiculously good. But if he maybe had a little more work ethic, maybe he, he could t- score I mean, more goals. I don't I don't think he's he has he, that kind of meandering well, style. I, mean, I think he sort of walks around like I want to be in this position. He's not, but when yeah. when when he's doing something, he works very hard. I mean. He sometimes walks around a little bit, but uh, it's not to say he doesn't have a good work rate. But no, but it was actually funny because within 12 minutes of the game, uh, Dries Mertens and uh, Carrasco, yeah, the Atletico Madrid guy, and Hazard, they had all switched without, within the first 12 minutes of the game. So that was kind of like, wow, they are very fluid. But Lukaku was still isolated up front. He was he, He's playing alone up front. He was pretty isolated. They were far away from him. But he really took his chances, a real poacher's performance. And uh, he's in—he's clearly in good form because he had three chances and took two. And they weren't even, you know, great chances. And then one more tactical thing that you saw, um, Eric Cameron uh, brought in Runa Marciorionson, which I had been saying for a long time I, I wanted to see, especially rather than someone like Olavrinki Skulason, who, you know, I've talked about. But he, he brought in Runa Marciorionson, who 
who worked really hard and and you could see that his job was to track hazard so he was playing in the midfield but he he, he could go for he, he was playing box to box for sure that's how you would describe it he, he would go all the way forward but when Belton won a possession he would go all the way back and I saw at one point Hazard, you know, he gets the ball on the left, and he's fairly isolated. Our right back, Birke Malsaivason, backs away from him. He's not close to him, but he just backs away. You would think a right back would attack the left winger. But he just backs away, and he gives Hazard a lot of space. And then Runa Malsaivason comes sprinting back. So it's clear that the instruction was, Birke Mal, you're not going out, and you're not going to go attack Hazard and maybe get beat, and then you're all fucked in the defense. Birke Mal, you're going to stay back. And the midfielder is going to come back and get Hazard. And you saw that happen again and again. And that, you know, that worked. Hazard tried like four or five times to go up that left wing like he does. You know, do his fake cut and fake cut. He, he loves that fake. Uh, like he's going to cross it. And he's really good at it. Uh, he did that four or five times. Never created anything particularly dangerous. So, I mean, Hazard has had a quiet game in that sense. So, so tactically, I think that was smart by Hammer. And I'm, uh, I'm happy, you know, with that. But I just think our... Our center backs couldn't, or, or Svetic couldn't handle Lukaku, really. Uh, I think Raki did well. Raki had a pretty good game, even though he also didn't make himself available for interviews after the game. Now you've heard our thoughts on the game, but let's hear what Belgium head coach Roberto Martinez had to say in an exclusive interview with the Iceland Football Podcast. Well, I think the first 15 minutes were, uh, were very uh, important because Iceland started better than us in the game and they put us in on the uh, huge difficulties and we had to defend the box well from that ball situation, from open play and I thought that period set us up really well. We defended well, we, we, we knew how to suffer and then from that point on I thought we controlled the game and, and we deserved to score probably more uh, chances. We should have done better in front of goal but overall it's a very... Uh, very solid performance, very professional. It looks like Hazard has kind of a free role. He was on the right, he was on the left. Is that just him that has that role or do you want the whole midfield to be fluid? No, no, I think we've got a real understanding of we can change positions and, and we can be uh, we can be interacting on, on those roles, but we need to be very disciplined on where we take those 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 positions. And uh, more importantly, is what we do without the ball. Without the ball, we've been a, a very committed group to 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 work very hard for each other to defend quickly, and that that pleases me. When you do that as a team, then you can have a bit more freedom of the ball. But it's more with the understanding of having that freedom. So you can hear that he was he agreed with us that the fi- first 15 minutes were difficult. It wasn't comfortable. Uh, Iceland was better and had more possession in the first 15, created chances and showed real fight in those first 15 minutes. But after that, uh, as he said, they took over and uh, and could have scored more goals. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's pretty cut and dry. Um, we did start very well, but you know, for the majority of the game, they were very dominant. Yeah, that's why I kept asking them if it was comfortable because in the end, it and and you hear he used the word professional, which is. That's something that big teams say about, you know, when there's like a third round FA Cup and you're playing someone in the in the fourth division and you're like, you know, I'm proud of our players. We had a professional performance. That's what Martinez kind of just said. You know, he, he said it's a professional performance. We sh- were supposed to win. We won. We did it professionally. You know, not disrespectful. It's just the truth. So so that's fine. As we were discussing with the with the free rolls, I, I was trying to ask him about those free rolls for Hazard. Um, what I was trying to say is, you know, is Hazard just so special that you let him do anything? But he kind of intimated that all players, the whole team has kind of a fluid 
situation but we have to know where everyone is um but him being a somewhat defensive minded coach obviously he says that the most important thing is getting back behind the ball and and doing your defensive work we also asked him his thoughts on the nations league and if he likes that competition the nations league uh, you're obviously taking it seriously do you like the new format rather than having the friendlies i think it's it was necessary. Um, I'm a big, big fan of this competition. It's a new competition and you need to understand that that needs a bit of patience, big patience because I'm sure there'll be a little bit of a trial and error. But to see nations playing against the nations of their world ranking can only be helpful. Um, it's not good for the players to have international friendlies. You need, with the demands of the clubs, these players need to be playing meaningful games and the Nations League brings that. Every game matters, you can get relegated, you can get promoted, you can win silverware and you see fantastic games uh, and competitive games for all the levels. So it's a real successful story and we want to be part of it and today was a was an important start for us. Great to hear. Congratulations. So there you heard from head coach Roberto Martinez, a very eloquent uh, speaker. Good to talk to him. He, he was a nice guy. Uh, Obviously happy with the result and happy with the new Nations League format. He he said that friendly that players shouldn't play friendlies or that they're bad. That's kind of interesting. I guess it makes sense. But I think we can all agree that the competitive nature of the Nations League is is making the games a lot more fun to watch. And I don't think anyone is disapproving of this like uh, like some pundits did before it started. Do you have anything to say about <laughs> Roberto Martinez? What he said. Um, Anything you found interesting? Yeah, it was it was great to hear from him. And, uh, I think he means that it, it, it's good to have you know players in real competitive matches if they're going to be taking breaks from their clubs instead of just friendlies, which you know yeah. don't necessarily have any meaning. I mean, I I've been to a lot of international friendlies. I don't mind them, but yeah, you're right. Having it competitive is is better, and I think we can all agree on that. And that is the final ruling on that. But he was obviously in a fairly uh, good mood. Um, he's obviously uh, beaten Iceland here at home. The first time that the Iceland team has lost at home in a competitive game in five years. That kind of shows you what the previous team under Heimer and Lars uh, were doing and what the Icelandic people have kind of become accustomed to a little bit. And it would be nice to get some resemblance to that team that was. But yeah, so we were hanging out there at the, at the game and... Uh, God, I you know, I, my goal, you obviously love Hazard, I love Lukaku. My goal was to get an interview with Lukaku, and uh, I, I would have, but this UEFA guy was, was pestering me a little bit, and and uh, but but he, he was standing around, like, he all the Belgian players were just there. It's, it's a very small and intimate stadium, and they were all just there, you know, Vertonghen was here, Alderweireld was there. I was going to ask him about, like, going to Manchester, but... Apparently he had already answered that. But yeah, all all the players were just around us, and, and and Lukaku was standing next to me. And I guess my only comment because I, I tried to talk to him, I was like, "Rum." I said that, <laughs> but it was it was quiet because I was scared. And, and also he he was the most popular person in there. Like you could hear his laugh from like a, a long way away. And he was always talking to someone and smiling, and everyone was always talking to him. So I never really got a free moment with him. But what I, what I can tell you, standing next to him, is he's not as big. As you would think, because he's you know he's described as this machine, this huge like bull, and he he muscles people around, and you know and it does look like that when you watch a game and when you watch it in the stadium or whatever. But seeing him, he he was wearing this uh, he was wearing just Under Armour. It's not that big compared to you know then Vertonghen is standing next to him, who's taller and also 
a big frame, you know. So Lukaku, not that big. Let's focus more on his finesse and his ability rather than his physical size. He's really not that big. I, I'm sure you won't be saying that if you ever had to actually go up against him and push well, him around. Well, you know, the, is, is he strong? Yeah, he's strong. But bulkiness size, he's really not that huge. So that's just my three cents because we don't have an interview with him because uh, I wasn't able to grab that. But uh, but one interview I did get is another exclusive, and we did talk to Thibaut Courtois about uh, about the game, about the World Cup, and about Madrid and the competition he's facing there. Now, what I will say before I play this is we did have some audio difficulties. I I, I don't know what was going on, and you heard it a little bit in the Hazard uh, little clip we had with Hazard. I don't know what happened. But one of the questions doesn't work, and you'll hear some kind of weird audio things, but this is the best we can do. And let's hear what Belgium goalkeeper Thibaut Courtois had to say after his team won 3-0, and he obviously got the clean sheet. Oh yeah, and let me also say in the beginning, he was eating a sandwich when I started talking to him. Now, I didn't want to interrupt his meal, but I, so that's what you're going to hear first, just, uh, just FYI. <laughs> Finish your food. Is this from Iceland or did you bring it from Belgium? Uh, Iceland. <laughs> um, congratulations on the result. It was a comfortable uh, game. Oh, comfortable. I don't think so. I think they started really well. It was not easy for us to to find the rhythm. I think they created some danger, but then we we took over the game and we yeah we we scored twice really quick, and then we tried to control the game. I think some second half that a bit of danger. I saved one really well. And then we tried to, to score more, and I think for us it was a good win, but I don't think it was an easy win. Now, first of all, what I love about professional athletes, and especially goalkeepers, now, Thibaut was really nice, and he seems like a like a nice guy. You know, he was, he was smiling and, and, and was fun, but you can see the cockiness or the, the, the self-assuredness when you describe, when you can just say the sentence, yeah, I saved one really well. He literally saved one shot the whole game. It's like, yeah, it was the team played well. I saved one really well. Just, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of braggadocious a little bit, but but that's I guess what professional athletes should be. But but he did he did talk about the the team played well and 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 it wasn't easy, but they were in control. Yeah, you know he he was like you were talking about earlier. He didn't want to say it was comfortable, even though it probably yeah. was. Uh, maybe I mean maybe no game is comfortable because they have to work, and you know it, it wasn't like they rolled over us ten zero or something. But maybe he's also trying to show a little respect. Um, Roberto Martinez used the word professional. Maybe I should have said that was a professional performance, and he would have been like, "Oh yeah, that's the code word for when it's easy against a crappy team, and we just say it was professional." But uh, the next question I asked him kind of got. Uh, fucked up a little bit what I, I you can hear what i asked him and and we'll play it and you, you can kind of decipher what what is said but but i will tell you that i said to him um you know if he prefers to play with not a lot of shots against him and then i said and then the part that's cut out is you know it was a cold night were you cold and you can kind of hear his answer like yeah a little bit but let's just listen to the answer and, and we'll try to decipher it afterwards not easy, but uh, dominant maybe by Belgium. Uh, you say it wasn't uh, comfortable, but maybe in goal there weren't that many shots on you. As a goalkeeper, uh, do you prefer games where there's not many shots on you, or do you want to be active? Both like today, and it was a little bit, but uh, I think you know you just have to stay focused and and try to do everything comes to you. Um, I'm happy as well if I work because that means we're playing pretty well. But sometimes you have a game like, for example, uh, against Brazil, where I had to save eight. Of playing well. Now 
it stops there because at that moment there was some explosion on the mic and uh, I, you know, there was an explosion. But I can tell you what he was saying. He was saying against Brazil where I had to save eight or nine, and then he likes that too. The Brazil at the World Cup uh, in the quarterfinals. So he was, you know, talking about what she prefers more, saving a lot or having a chill game. And we got one last question with him to ask. He's obviously just moved to Madrid from Chelsea. Uh, your thoughts on that? I just want to say that I am thrilled with our new signing, Kepa Arisblaga, or however you pronounce that. That is not the right. <laughs> Blaga. I don't know. It's difficult to say. But. Can you just call him like Atsi or something? At, at. <laughs> I'll get it eventually. <laughs> What's his first name? Kepa. Kepa. That's kind of a cool name. Um, it's kind of similar to Aspilicueta. Yeah. Who's also they're, Spanish. They're from, they're from the same region. Oh, and okay. uh, they, they, people couldn't say it originally, so they called him like John. or I don't remember exactly what it was. But <laughs> it was something like that. Is that oh, the no, Spanish? They, sorry, you mean they, Juan? Sorry, sorry. They, they called him Dave. Yeah, they called him Dave. Ah, that's kind of a Spanish name. Yeah. You know, but there's only going to be one Dave in the Premier League, and that's Dave Saves. And you know who that is. Um, but I can see that you're seething, uh, you're frothing at the mouth with your hatred towards Courtois. I believe you referred to him as some kind of serpent. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I think it's kind of stupid for him to go because he's not a starter, guaranteed, but he'll get it eventually. I mean, but. I'm not even really that angry. I mean, he would have left at the end of end of the season for free, and we got oh, yeah, 35 he, million pounds for him. Oh, you only got 35 million, and he was on his last year. But, he, but I mean, one more year, and you would have got nothing for him. I so. know, but still, that's kind of, that's messed up. I don't know why he would do that. I don't understand I mean, why players do that. He, you know, he didn't show up for training, and uh, he just yeah. forced it. No, he was going to go, yeah. And he, I mean... But he, I mean, he's not only a snake for Chelsea fans, he's also a snake for Atletico Madrid fans, yeah. who he's betraying now. Yeah. I mean, he's... And, uh, but, but I don't know, I was talking to him, he's a nice guy. I'm sure, he, I'm sure he, yeah. But <laughs> he, he also said he wanted to be close to his family who, who live there, his kids live there in Madrid. He has kids, wow. And they, they he has Madrid kids, his, wow. His I feel like such a... Or, I feel like such a youngin. Like, he's younger than me. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like having a conversation with him, but he has kids and shit. Like th- these people yeah. are way more mature than us. No, but yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why he left because he's definitely not guaranteed to start. I think Navas is a really good goalkeeper, and especially yeah. the way because um, Courtois is not fast off the line like Navas is. I think we could see, and because uh, Madrid play a high line, mm-hmm. and they also concede a lot of chances. We'll see what happens. But then again, he is also he one is, of the best goalkeepers. He is a world-class goalkeeper. Yeah. You know. He's better than Navas. It's true. He, and he's younger. And, and he, he'll get there, I'm sure, eventually. And and uh, and probably get uh, at least some chance to win the Champions League and, and all that. I'm, I'm sure. Well, no. I'm Ronaldo's sure gone. They're never well, going to win the Champions <laughs> League again. Well, no. Bale is there. We'll see. I, I don't think he'll regret it. Is, is all I'm saying. Well, personally, I think uh, it's crazy not to buy a striker. I think they should have gone for Lewandowski yeah, or something. Yeah. Even though he's a little out of his prime, he's I still think Lewandowski. Yeah, Cardi would be. Icardi, there you go. Um, but they didn't do that, and I, I think they're going to be forced to do it either in January or next summer. But we were discussing Courtois and and his role at Madrid. Let's see what the player himself had to say. 
You now return back to Madrid. Um, it's kind of a competition for the goalkeeper spot. Uh, do you prefer to have competition or would you always like to know that you're the starter 100%? I like some competition. I think it brings out the best in any person. I think uh, not only in football, in, in real life and world. I think everywhere where you have competition, you will do your best to show you're the best. And I think it's only good for, for our team in Real Madrid that uh, we have two great goalkeepers and uh, our team is good. Because you were talking about how uh, how cocky he can be, calling himself a great goalkeeper. Yeah, well, he, two great goalkeepers, and he makes great saves. And you know, he's like, you remember when I saved eight against Brazil? I mean, I was like, what? When did you play Brazil? Oh, that was like three months. I guess that's not so long ago. But we're not talking about the World Cup right now. We're at the Nations League. Um, no, but I, I didn't get the vibe that that he was in any way like uh, really uh, sure of himself in that way. Although I'm sure he definitely is as a professional athlete. But but he didn't come off that way when you were talking to him. When you listen to it and you listen to the words he's saying, then maybe a little bit you're like, no, nah, it's kind of funny. But yeah, there we heard from Courtois. Everyone seemed in a good mood there in the Belgium camp. Um, I didn't talk to any of the Iceland players. I was more focused on getting uh, on getting the Belgians. But we were able to, and, and that was fun. And it was really, I mean, it, it is a luxury that Iceland, this tiny country of 330,000, which is probably as big as the town you're in right now, is able to host the Belgian national team and, and we're able to interact with and talk to these players and it's a real gift. So in that way, the Lars and, and especially Hamid um, in the latter parts, uh, their regime is still paying off. We're competing in this competition because of them. Now, there's a whole new era about the start of our national team with new coaching and we have a better idea after these two games how it's going to go. Um, but I don't think it fills us with confidence, for sure. I think the confidence I feel after the Belgium game was that we improved from the Swiss game. The players were fighting. I mean, you never know if they're fighting for the manager, but they were fighting for something, probably just because they were at home and their families were there and they want to, you know, not get destroyed 8-0. I mean, if they had a lethargic performance, they could have gotten destroyed bigly as our favorite president would say but that didn't happen so in in that sense and and also i, I thought there was some tactical uh nuance from hamron with the way he handled hazard and the way he set up the team so i guess we can go a little bit more positive out of these two games than if we had only had that six nil destruction by switzerland and we're talking about switzerland we've actually never beaten switzerland or belgium in competitive football or friendly i, I think yeah just never but there, if you want to see a, a really the nicest hat trick you will ever see in in uh, international football when we played Switzerland. Remember that, like five or six years ago, and we were down four one, and this was in the Euro qualifying campaign, or or whether it was the World Cup, I, I don't quite remember. But uh, we were four one down, and Johan Berg scored a hat trick of goals from outside the box. It was beautiful, including a ninety third minute equalizer. So, everyone, your homework is to watch that video and feel better about the Iceland team. And know that those times are still possible. Anything's possible. But I guess we're just going to have to wait until the next games. And that'll show us a lot more. Now we're just going to keep following the players in their domestic leagues. Also the Icelandic league is finishing in... Uh, there's three games left. So there's a lot of Icelandic football to think about and discuss. And we will definitely be doing that with you guys right here on the Iceland Football Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you then. Goodbye.